Hi everyone, today I'd like to talk to you guys about my journey to where I am in my life right now. I've been spending quite a bit of time recently thinking about my purpose, my why, and really looking at the research behind this subject. To give you guys a bit of context, I'll start with my med school days. I graduated med school in 2012. It was an interesting experience where I really did not find med school to be my passion until fourth year. So I didn't do too well in med school and by the end of it, I think it was a bit too late. I failed one of my exams called the Step 2CS. Now this exam was looked as a marker to see if you could communicate in English. And because I failed it, I essentially did not get any interviews for residency programs. For those of you who are not in healthcare, after medical school, you have to do residency, or you can think of it like an apprenticeship. And if you don't do residency, essentially, you don't have a chance of being a physician, at least in North America. I had a debt of about $300,000 as well at this point. So the only path to really repay that debt was to get a residency. After I didn't match, I cold called a lot of different programs, and I knew what I needed to do is stay in clinical medicine in whatever capacity I could find. I had a friend who was working in a research capacity at a hospital affiliated with Columbia University in cardiology. I did research there for about a year. I was under the impression that I will get a residency spot uh, for their program if I was contributing effectively in the research. I had a visa issue as well as I was a Canadian citizen staying in the States. Um, I did not end up matching to that program, but I did get a lot of different experiences and research and publications, which I value, and I think which helped me eventually down the line as well. I remember I was crossing the border back to renew my visa, and I got denied entry into the States. My parents were in the States at this point as well, so I really didn't have any place to stay or any thing any place to stay or any form of a stable place in Canada. Nonetheless, I had friends and I'm very thankful for um, for my friends to let me couch surf on their um, couches for months at a time. At this point, without uh, any end with clinical practice, I kind of learned the power of cold calling. I called every program in Canada asking for observerships. Essentially, I just shadow physicians and I help out here and there when I can. So I must have, I think I looked into this before, I must have called about a thousand programs in various emails, just asking to let me shadow help in research volunteer work. Thankfully, I was lucky and fortunate that a few of these programs and clinics gave me opportunity um, and I, I did the best I could in these observerships and I got some letters of recommendation. I moved to Alberta at one point because to apply for residency in Alberta, you had to have a resident status there. So I moved there, got a driver's license, met with the program, and I was planning on applying for residency in Alberta as well. There's a program in Canada where you can come back and do a practice ready assessment if you've done residency elsewhere. So I looked at other countries where I could do residency based on my medical degree. 
Jamaica was one of those countries. So I went to Jamaica. I met with the Minister of Health and I remember this conversation very clearly. The day of the meeting, I could not find my dress pants. Um, so I went in jeans. And that was a big no-no. And essentially, from what I remember, he said, you will never get residency here because you're not dressed appropriately and you're not taking this seriously. Um, and funny enough, the my dress pants and my tie was in the front zipper of my back or my suitcase, and I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't think to look there. I was back in Canada. My brother matched residency in Winnipeg, and I finally had a chance to stay there. So I moved to Winnipeg. Manitoba had this program where if you've done an MD, you can take this exam, and if you pass it, you can work as a clinical assistant, um, which has a really good salary. It's, it's not the same as a physician, but it was definitely a path I was looking at. So I took that exam and I passed and I got my clinical assistant license. In the meantime, I kept applying for residency spots as well. I did really well in an exam called the NACOSCI. And because of that, I got multiple residency interviews in Ontario. University of British Columbia, where I eventually did my residency, initially rejected me. And I wrote them back saying, you know, I think I'll be a really good culture fit for you guys. Um, and I'd love to have the opportunity to interview. And that's all I said. I remember them um, emailing me back, spelling my name wrong. Uh, but I, I think it, it shows effort and commitment um, that I did write something. And I'll kind of pause here to, to highlight the first lesson I learned. When you're applying for a job, when you're selling something, it really isn't about you. It's about the customer or the company or the workplace. And what you really want to do is identify what they are looking for. What are their goals? What are their aspirations? So at UBC or any medical school residency program in Canada and family medicine, what they're looking for is to select people who want to be uh, family doctors who are capable, uh, but to be frank to an extent, post-medical school, post-air exams, most of us are capable, so it really comes down to, well, do you, do you, is this what you want? Are your goals aligned with our goals? So by this point, with my multiple rejections, cold calling, I had learned that lesson. And in my interview, eventually UBC did uh, invite me for an interview, and my first time in BC was for my interview, which is another thing going against me, because usually residency programs, especially out west, um, they look for ties to there because they don't want to train you and then you leave the province and go somewhere else. Um, but, you know, I didn't really have many ties in Ontario either. So I had that going for me as well. Or in Manitoba, which is where I was living at that point. I did well in the interview and I got into residency at UBC. I did my residency on Vancouver Island and Campbell River, which is an amazing program. I think great group of people. I was on remediation during residency. And I think, again, my goals were misaligned with the program's goals. And the way the program monitored residents and evaluated them is not something I agreed with. And I think this is a lesson number two. If you want to decide what you want to do in life, the first step is to identify, I think, the roles you want to achieve or your goals say you want to be. Um, 
you want to start a company, you want to be CEO, or you want a nine to five job and uh, have a more balanced life. And once you identify them, then work backwards and figure out how people get to those roles. Um, and residency is one of these things where you are in some ways trapped. And if your goal is to finish your residency, you just have to figure out what your program values and how they value residents and then just meet those metrics. Um, I had figured it out, but I didn't accept it. I was still fighting it. Figuring out how the world works, the incentives in place, how leverage happens in this world is one thing, but accepting it is, is another thing. You have to accept it as well. And once you've mapped out these different paths to different goals you have, then you can decide, you know, which path you want to take or which game you want to play in this life. So after residency, um, I did fail another exam called the CCFP, um, and I passed on the second try. And again, I think both my exam failures was linked to hubris, ego, and me not taking those exams seriously. Um, after I finished residency, I was working as a hospitalist at Sarah Memorial Hospital. Again, a great group of people really enjoyed my time there. But I was finding medicine and clinical practice monotonous to an extent. And I realized the immense privilege in that statement. You know, I did not grow up rich. I grew up in India. Um, and I remember when we moved here, the four of us left, and here being Canada, on 40000 a year for lots of years and we were we were more or less happy um so that's also all to say that you know being able to be unhappy in my job and being able to have the privilege and the luxury to just sit and think about what i want to do identify the path and then again being able to pick the path i want to take and go on that path is an immense privilege i uh, i realize that completely so not being happy as a hospitalist, um, I was craving excitement. I was craving growth. There's a big arrival fallacy in medicine and other careers as well, where you learn, you learn, you learn, you go through tons of education. And then when you arrive, you are at your maximum earning potential in medicine on year one post-residency. The earning potential really does not increase that much. And if you want to chase academic goals or titles, um, that's more of a status game. It's not a game I'm interested in playing, uh, although my ego at times drives me that way. I, I try very hard to temper that ego. And largely because the path to success in that game, uh, and going back to what I was saying previously, is not a path I'm interested in, in, in taking. And so what I... I kind of uncovered the world of entrepreneurship and the world of startups. Um, I had no idea about business, but I did recognize what I need to do is identify pain points in my user and my customer's journey. And again, in healthcare, the user and the customer are very different. And I need to pick which pain point I can solve or I'm best suited to solve. And I landed on automated consoles. I started a startup um, in a telemedicine space called Clinic Up. I have a full video, uh, about 18 minutes, outlining my lessons from there, so I won't go through it uh, for this video. Essentially, my startup closed down last year. It was not a successful exit. I did not make any money off it. 
But I wanted to stay involved and I was still working full-time in clinical medicine throughout and I'm still working in clinical medicine in some capacity. I wanted to stay involved in the startup world. I was really enjoying my time in the startup ecosystem. I really loved being a founder, building something. But I knew family life and that path is not possible with balance. And I'll kind of pause here. There's, there's two ways to go about planning your work life. One is a balanced life um, where you have time for family, friends, and your hobbies and interests on a weekly basis. The other path is when you work 100-hour weeks for, say, six months or a year, and then you take a break. I think I prefer the latter path, but my life isn't set up to take that path. At the current moment, I have two young kids. Um, I have a loving wife, and I want to give my time and energy and mental bandwidth um, to my family. So I said, okay, I can invest in startups as a way of staying involved. So I'm closing in on my fifth investment. Um, I had a couple of friends in the startup ecosystem at this point, um, and I had one friend in the VC world who introduced me um, to an angel syndicate. Uh, Halo Health. So I joined them and they taught me a lot and they were very um, kind in, in teaching me about startups. I launched my own angel syndicate as well, which is Health Tech Investors. It's the focus on education. I run a podcast, uh, just uh, this podcast and a newsletter as well. And again, I wanted to identify, say I want to be a venture capitalist or a founder or a successful podcaster or have a successful newsletter. I wanted to identify what is the path to that. And it's something I'm struggling with right now is as I outline these paths, um, it becomes clearer which path I want to take or which path best fits my personality or my goals um, and how I want to live my life day to day, week to week, month to month and year to year. For venture capital, I kind of realized there are four things I really need to hone down if I want to raise my own fund. The first one is having a track record, which I'm building right now. The second one is deal flow. And the best way to get proprietary deal flow, I find, is just putting myself out there, my thoughts as a physician, what I think is broken in healthcare, where I think the market in healthcare is heading, and what are the opportunities. You need to be really good at picking as well. This is something that sometimes gets underlooked. Picking startups is, I don't want to use the word easy. It is simple and structured. Due diligence startups, if you Google the term, you will get lots of hits. And more or less, it's accurate. You know, you look at the founding team, you look at founder problem fit, you look at market timing is okay, you look at what they're building. You look at to see if the founders can build this and can they hire talent as they grow as well. You look for humility, you look to see if they have uh, strong ideas loosely held. And then you get deeper into diligence and technical diligence. Um, and I won't go into due diligence fully. I've, I've done a couple of videos on that as well. And the last part is how do you add value to the startup post-investment? So for me or for physicians um, who are venturing in this field, physician founders, I add value because I have founding experience and also because I have a vast network of physicians who I can call on for startup advice or, um, or potential customers. I won't go too much into podcasting and newsletters. Um, 
I find consistency is the key. And I'll make different episodes to go into more detail there. I wanted to give you guys some framework on how I am going on finding my why or my purpose. The first framework I want to say is uh, Ikigai, which is a Japanese concept of purpose for being, or what gives your life worth or purpose. It's the intersection of what you love or your passion, what the world needs, your mission, what you're good at, your vocation, and what you can get paid for, your profession. And at the intersection of, of these four things is what your why is, what is your purpose. I don't know my purpose completely yet. I love building communities. I love sharing my knowledge, my thoughts, which I would say is my selfish goal or my selfish purpose. Um, my selfless purpose is partly I see that physicians and clinicians are not involved in healthcare innovation and haven't been in the capacity I would like them to. I think healthcare would be better off both in terms of equity of access and in terms of quality if clinicians were involved in the next startups and the next unicorns in healthcare. The two best ways to be involved is either be founders or be investors. Um, and as investors, I think we are backing the people doing the hard things, which is founding a startup. The second concept I want to introduce is called the hedgehog concept. It's introduced to me by Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great, a great book I recommend everyone reading. And that uh, lies at the intersection of what are you deeply passionate about? What can you be the best at the world? And what drives your economic or resource engine? I want to pick on the second point. What can you be the best at the world? And I'll tie in Naval Ravikant, who's the founder of Angelus, and I recommend his almanac as well. I'll put all the book recommendations down below is what is your specific knowledge? What are your experiences, your skill set, and what is unique about them? And how can you leverage your specific knowledge to provide value to the world? And again, going back to what I was talking about, doing something, and it could be anything, isn't about you. It's about what value can you offer to the people that you're trying to, and I'll, I'll use the word sell here, sell to. So, so and sometimes, you know, you look at what value can you offer to yourself five years ago? Because there are several people, likely in thousands, if not millions, who are in your shoes that you were one year ago, six months ago, two years ago, five years ago. And I find this framework helps us. What, what value can I offer to myself last year when I started angel investing? And there's immense value there that current me can offer. And you know, that's that's something I can package into a course possibly or run more pitch competitions like I did. Um, and I, I would encourage you guys to kind of write down, okay, imagine you're talking to yourself six months ago or maybe five years ago, and what can you tell yourself? Um, and go in as much detail as you want. Another concept I want to introduce is the Simon Sinek's Golden Circle, which is a why, how, and what and really hone down into why are you doing this? Why are you doing what you're doing? And what do you want to do differently? And I, I do want to double down on the privilege of all of these concepts and being able to say, okay, I am not trapped in a third world country where I don't have opportunities to an extent where my why, how, what is putting food on the table 
and that is the beginning, the middle, and the end of my why, how, and what. I have the privilege, and I think a lot of us listening to this video do, of, of taking time to think about this. I would like to end with, um, I think, finding your purpose as you try and identify if you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, an entrepreneur, an investor, a podcaster, and, and you want to be a newsletter person. Identify those vocations for what they are. See the world as it is, not as you want it to be. You know, identify the games, the structures, the incentives in place and accept them. Because the world is as it is. You wanting to change the world and, and you can change the world, but again, identify how people have changed the world and how you can change the world. And once you have these paths to whatever you want to do laid out and you have different options, then you can pick which game or which path you want to take. The hard thing about this is not the picking, it's the identification and the accept 